Counselor Accents Podcast. Two school counselors who love their jobs. Oh, and they happen to have Southern accents too. Bless their hearts. I'm Laura Rancourt. And I'm Kim Bradley. Together we are Counselor Accents. Two school counselors who are in the trenches with you. We know what you're going through because we're living it every single day. So Laura, how is that New Year's resolution of losing how how are any of your resolutions going? Been, we've been, been in a little bit. So tell me, how's it going? I'm insulted that you would just assume that one of my resolutions is to lose weight. Oh, geez. Well, as your mentor, and I like to think of myself as your mentor, I thought that would be a good way to ease into this <laughs> conversation. <laughs> for some reason, I thought that that was. So how's it going for you? Well, you know, I I have been trying to be more aware of what I'm eating. I'll say it that way. I'm not going to deprive myself of anything. Well, one of the things that has concerned me is that every day for a while now, you accidentally received a hot dog cooker, which I didn't even know was a thing. And every time I'm talking to you, you got that hot dog cooker fired up. It is the best happy accident. Um, When I, let's say, I guess it was last year around uh, Christmas, somebody sent it to my school. Actually, they did not send it to my school. Amazon delivered it to my school. It was not meant to come to my school. And when we contacted Amazon to say, what are we going to do with this hot dog cooker? They said, what are we going to do? Just keep it. And so it turned out to be the happiest accident Cause you just drop a little wiener down in the hot dog. It's like a toaster. It's a toaster for wieners. For wieners. But there's a place where you can put the buns down in there and it'll toast the buns. I personally, I don't use a bun because as you pointed out, I am calorie conscious. Oh, are we? Okay. So uh, (laughs) anyway, and it's, it's just the best thing. So then when I moved schools, the secretary and the bookkeeper at my former school, they gifted me a new one. And my principal comes yelling, hey, you got a a pack of wieners and a wiener cooker. And I'm like, what? And I walk out there and there was this big gift bag basket on the (laughs) counter. And yes, she was right. There were some wieners and a wiener cooker. And this is the gift that, that keeps giving. And you know, every day when I use that wiener cooker, I think about my close bond with that secretary and bookkeeper uh, so I think every day. Maybe they're trying to kill you because I don't know if you have read the research, but like for every wiener, it is cutting out like, what is the statistic now? 30, 45 minutes of your life? Well, I'm scheduled to die soon, like in a minute then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking if you're going to go, I'm going to have to find a new, you keep eating those wieners. I've had to find me a new partner. So are you eating, I've not asked you this because I'm just so used to you saying, I'm toasting me a wiener. Is this bar S wieners or are these beef hot dogs? I eat. What is your wiener of choice? I only eat Nathan's, which is, is top of the line, top tier. It's the best and most expensive wieners you can get. Oh, They're kosher. Okay. If you are into that sort of thing. You are not kosher. I I am when I eat wieners. Okay. (laughs) I'm eating my wieners kosher. 
So you, uh, st- I want one of these now. You've talked me into this. They are. Yeah, I was going to talk you out of them, but you've talked me into them. So yeah. how much does this machine cost you? On I'd Amazon? say it's going to set you back about $15. That much, $15. <laughs> but you know, for teachers, now that I'm thinking about it, for teachers to have a quick hot lunch, I yes. mean, I don't begrudge anybody, especially educators, wanting to take minutes off their life. I am not. I retract everything I've said to you. Well, I and it doesn't plug in. in. It does crack me up. It doesn't plug in. So you just, it's like a toaster. You just pop it in there, press the little lever, it goes down, and then in two minutes it pops up. Now, I will say I like my hot dogs done a little bit more than the average person. So I'll put them in there a second time, maybe even a third time, because I like them a little crispy. And so, you know, it's going to take me six minutes to somebody else's two minutes to get theirs done. But are you plugging, would, are you plugging this up? I just said it doesn't plug up. I just said. Oh, not, no, I could, but you said like a toaster. I don't know anybody who has a toaster that doesn't plug up. So I thought I've misunderstood you. What toaster doesn't plug up? I am pretty sure my toaster does not plug up. I've never heard of a toaster that does not plug up, ever. I would like to do a poll with our audience. Does your toaster plug up or not? What? Are, how are you going to get electricity to your toaster? Are I you guess that lever, it? it heats it up. I promise you. Hey, listen to me. <sighs> this I'm sick of you up. acting like you're better than me because you've got a toaster that plugs up and mine doesn't. <laughs> I, I just, just because you learn something new, it doesn't years, mean that your years, stuff is better. For years, pushing toast out of the toaster, thinking it's warming up. Okay, <laughs> I, I am done with you. I am so Now that you mentioned it, I shouldn't have gotten rid of my toaster. It wasn't the fact. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited about our next pod, podsicle guest. I am too. And I so- say podsicle. Because she is in the land of the frozen. Yes, for sure. So Monique Young is our guest. And uh, she is a school counselor at Brookside Charter School. She is, she's been an ASCA presenter. And she was recognized as the support staff member of the year in 2021 through the Kaufman Foundation's Excellent in Education Awards. You may know her on Instagram and social media as the school counselor coach. Thank I you. I feel like I'm your life coach, but she well, needs your counselor coach. I'm firing you, and she's going to be the new one. But um, I'm excited to see what she has to talk about and hear what she has to talk about. And so I would say, let's pretend like we're hot dogs and jump right into this toaster. I'm going to wish you hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't too. <laughs> All right, Kim, you know how excited we've been about getting to talk to Monique Young. And today's the day. We get to do it today. Today's the day. Hello, Monique. Hey, how are y'all? We are, uh, it's the winter, so we are snuggled up and cozy right now. And you look like you are too with your beautiful sweater on. Yes, yes. Trying to stay warm in the Midwest winds and winter and ice. Oh. Oh, my favorite things. No, not something we have to experience a lot of. Thank you. <laughs> so, Kim, I think that my favorite thing about Monique is that she recognizes where we are as school counselors with behaviors 
And Monique, one of the things that really has stood out to me that you say is, as school counselors, we need to talk about why it's important to put away that mindset that counselors don't do behaviors. Because we're kind of in a situation now where, like it or not, we have to, right? Exactly. So why don't you, let's start there. Talk to us a little bit about that. Right. So I feel like in the past couple of years, especially with, you know, the onset of COVID and then we were at home for quarantine for a while, whether your school decided to uh, stay in the building, be hybrid or go virtual. You know, once we come back, like a lot of people were like, we see that there's so many behaviors or they've been exacerbated. And, you know, before we might have had challenges with students before, but I guess, you know, even the students who may have been more quiet or maybe not as explosive with their behaviors. okay, now we're starting to see more of those. So, you know, as a counselor, what do you do? And I feel like I've seen a lot of school counselors talking about more recently, they've been asked to respond to behaviors. So even if they weren't doing anything specific for behaviors before, it was just kind of like, well, I can't do anything now because that's all I'm I'm doing right now is responding to crisis, responding to crisis. Absolutely. You know, I was, I was, when you said that, um, I think sometimes people need to be more informed, especially administrators and leaders as to when we say we're involved with behaviors mm-hmm. that, and, and maybe even school counselors need to hear that again. That's not in any way, form or fashion, the aspect of the, the consequences for those behaviors, but more about the training, the co-regulation. So what are some things, and Laura, I I can see you're chopping at the bit, but when you say, or when we're talking, as all three of us are talking about, we don't have the luxury, no one does really anymore, but especially school counselors, because that's kind of our wheelhouse. So how can we as school counselors help in this crisis? And and I say crisis because it really is become a... uh, a big factor in why educators are walking away while school counselors are walking away. Well, I think one of the first things is to really realize that a lot of what we do already as school counselors is helping with behaviors, whether it's teaching the positive behavior skills or, you know, a lot of things that we do all the time. Uh, If we think about like the castle competencies, right? Usually they have like social awareness, self-management, and one of them is relationship skills. And I feel like, especially for us, female counselors, one of the most common groups that we have is a group on relational aggression, and that's all relationship skills. So, you know, if we're tackling this every single year, because it typically, you know, is happening in the spring and we're having that group for that, then why can't we do a group that's over responsible decision making? Why can't we do a group that's over the self-management? So, you know, we need to, you know, just take Note that, okay, we are already doing some things that is within that wheelhouse. But um, like I said, I think groups is one of the easiest ways to get started into it because, again, half the time we're already doing something towards that. Um, But there's also opportunities when you're co-regulating students to really get into that self-management and really be intentional about using terms with students so they understanding that they are using regulation tools or they're using regulation uh, skills in order to 
uh, calm themselves back down. So those are two ways. And like I said, one of the one ways that I've been working specifically on adding more of the behavior skills is through individual counseling, which was surprising to me because honestly, the need came out of starting with some of those groups. And for me, as somebody who's working with elementary, some of our kindergarten babies that had issues with self-management and really being able to regulate it wasn't the best fit to have them in a group with, say, third and fourth graders who had, you know, just a little bit better vocabulary, a little bit more patience. These were kind of students that wanted that one on one. And so it was just like, OK, you know what? Let's just take the similar content that we were going to do for group and let's do it one on one and let's see how this goes. I, I love the way you're using this. Uh, for small groups, bringing in, in more than just relational aggression. That's a, that's one that we commonly think of, mm-hmm. but also pulling those individuals out of that small group. One of the things, Monique, and I know you and Laura will agree with this, is one of the things that we're seeing is, for me, I think maybe pre-COVID or before all these behaviors escalated, that small group seemed to work a little bit better than than it does now. It's almost like I'm seeing almost like you're doing an IEP, you're it really bringing that down and, and realizing that these each student is missing, just like they have learning, loss of learning, they have loss of these essential skills. And when you break that down, you know, theirs may be, it's so hard to do that sometimes in a small group when they're missing some vital skill. And, and it's, it's you know, digging into what is it that that, that student is missing. So both of those small groups and individuals are so important, but I really am starting to see how important that individual is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something else that I've kind of started doing this year too, to kind of elongate with that, because, you know, typically we'll do maybe like our six to eight sessions with a student individually. And then it's just like, okay, you know, I'm going to release you now. And, you know, um, we're done as far as the individual sessions, but now I'm starting to push into the classrooms with those same students and observe them uh, practicing the skills that we talked about. Because then if I'm seeing them in the moment and I'm just like, hey, you know, what do we talk about when you are feeling like impulsive? You know, what are you supposed to do? Because I want to make sure that I feel like during the small group sessions, they get informed about whatever tools or whatever strategies. But sometimes it's almost like a PD. Like when you just go to one PD on a session and you're you're getting information for the first time and okay, you're digesting maybe some terms or things like that, or maybe you're hearing about the tool. Now you got to go back and you got to implement it. So like I said, I go into the classroom so that I'm able to observe them and really see, okay, we talked about these tools and these these strategies together. I want you to practice them because that's what's really going to make it stick. So I've been doing that, like I said, this past school year, and I've really seen like some success with some students, especially like I said, those kindergarten students with the um, self-management challenges that they've been having, like just having somebody there or seeing me just come in and sit down there just like, oh, she's watching. (laughs) Like, I I know I'm supposed to be doing this. I shouldn't be up running around. Let me, okay, let me fix it. So that's been really interesting to see. (laughs) I want to explain She's next level. She, she is. And level. my mind is just exploding with the things that you're talking about. It is like my brain's going in so many different directions because I'm thinking about how you're talking about 
we, you know, what we said at the beginning that we really can't say we don't do that. You're saying recognize that we have been doing that. We are doing that. And then make those changes. Like you said, you realized pushing into the classroom, it's almost like rehab. You know, whenever people go to rehab, they are taken away from their surroundings, their situation, and things can work when you're with a group of like-minded people who are all focused on the same thing. But then the problem with rehab has always been that when they come back into that environment, those triggers are there. And in the case of students with behavior issues, those kids that get under their skin or the teacher, whatever it is, triggers them. And so to have you come in and walk alongside them and say, hey, remember that strategy? It's it's like eye-opening to me. Like, why didn't you ever think of that, Kim? Why haven't we ever thought of that? I love that you made that comparison because over the summer I was kind of studying a lot about, you know, student intervention and things of that nature. And actually SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health yeah, Administration, yeah. they have a whole PDF and it's like, it's very long. It's probably like 96 pages or something, but it talks about like the cycle of basically being able to identify students or identify people within the community who have substance abuse issues. But then when I read it, I like just changed the words from substance abuse to behavior. And I was like, this fits. It fits because they do see substance abuse as a behavioral health challenge. Absolutely. Absolutely. And why not glean from these organizations who have been studying in this and doing this and making some really good connections because there are some things that are so similar with this. But going into the classroom, I think that is one of the big things I I talked to uh, our supervisor at the beginning of the school year. And I said, what is going to have to happen is we are going to have to go in to the classroom to to what you're saying for the student, but also for the teacher. So Mm -hmm. I can imagine when you do that, the teacher is also learning and uh, gleaning that wisdom from you. Has that been something that you've noticed? Yes. And, you know, I will say it is such a new experience too with me starting at a new school this school year. So before then they've had school counselors or they've had the school counseling position, but they've always had school therapists in the school counselor position. So now they're really getting the eye view of like, oh, this is what the school counselor does. And this is what we can expect from the school counselor. Because honestly, the reason that I started to push in with the students was because after I got done with my groups, like I had did a group, I want to say near October, and it was on impulse control. But then I felt like after, and I really kind of did seven weeks um, with those students and closed that on the eighth and had a celebration. But after that eight weeks, I was kind of like, Uh, but I feel like they still need support, you know, after you've done a group and you're just like, okay, we've talked about it. I I know that they understand what impulse control is, but you know, they still need to practice it. Cause I would see some of the kids at recess and they would still kind of, you know, do some of the things that kind of got them in the group. And what I really wanted to do was to do check in, check out system after we closed out the group. But our staff hadn't been trained on the check in, check out system. So I was like, oh, that's not something I can do right now. And I said, what can I do that, you know, I'm in charge of or that I can control? And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to schedule instead of um, 
you know, just have an open time. Let me schedule the time to go into their classroom, but then also communicating with the teacher. Here's the goal that we've worked with during group. These are the things or the topics that we talked with during our, our, our small group. But now here is their overall goal now as I move forward. So when I come into the classroom, I'm not here to observe you as the teacher. I'm here to observe them working on this specific goal. Hey, could you, you know, give them some feedback or give, you know, remind them if you see them uh, kind of falling off or, you know, not really fitting into what they said they were going to do for their goal. I love this so much. I love you so much. There's, you're definitely the smartest person in this podcast right now. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, what age groups would you say this works with? So like I said, I've mainly been trying with, I closed out my impulse control group and that was with mainly second and third grade groups. Um, but I've also just ended a relationships group, a re relationship skills group with fourth grade girls. I think it might be easier with some of the older students and for older for me in elementary is four, fifth, six. Um, but because like I said, they're able to actually remember the goal and to kind of remember the strategies. I feel like with the younger students, like your kindergarten and your first grade students, it's like reminding them specifically of hey, instead of uh, blurting out, what'd you say you were going to do? Or, hey, you know, this is your calm down space. Where are the tools that you need? So it's a little bit more guiding that you have to do. But um, I would say possibly the older elementary grades, they seem to grasp it a little bit more. As soon as I come into the classroom, they already know why I'm there. <laughs> Let's back up before we, before okay. we get there. I, before you make this question may fit in here, Laura, that you're going to give, but I would love to back up and just for you to tell us what groups that you like to do, how mm -hmm. you set that up with the staff. When, just give us some rubber meets the roads on your small groups. And Laura, does that fit before your question? Can we do yeah, that? I think it's a great question. <laughs> so this year, like I said, it's starting with the new school. It's been a little bit different, but I feel like I've been a little bit more uh, advanced with how I've been doing groups this year. We use Satchel Pulse, which is a, a system that helps organize students by uh, the skills that they may need. Um, but they still go off of the castle competency. So they'll say like, oh, you know, this student would really benefit from learning more self-awareness or this student would learn more from responsible decision making. But even if you don't use Satchel Post, to me, all of the programs are very similar. They do similar things as far as showing you which students would be tier one, which would be tier two and which would be tier three. Um, so from that, once we have the teachers do a assessment, I'm able to see, OK, these are some students that I should prioritize for my groups. But then, like I said, the great thing about Satchel Pulse is it tells me what skills specifically that they need the most help in. And so that's why I was able to be quick in October uh, with doing an impulse control group. And um, we already had maybe two or three more groups lined up. So I have a co-counselor, too. So we just kind of divvied up like, hey, you know what? Um, skill do you feel more comfortable teaching or approaching? And then we kind of divvied it up that way. But we also looked at, okay, who are the students that they're suggesting for the groups and really try to analyze, would they be best in a group 
or would they be best for individual? Because like I said, the, the way that Satrapos had told us for one group, it was like, there's a group that needs self-management. And it was like all kindergartners. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think this is going to work out. <laughs> right. So I was like, maybe not, maybe individual. Um, but yeah, so far it's been impulse control, relationship skills. Um, I have one coming up on responsible decision-making and this is for, it's funny to me, but I feel like it's ironic that it's mostly boys that are in the responsible decision-making group, just because, you know, they're typically the boys that don't follow the rules or they get yeah. into the arguments with their classmates or just really have to think more about like their decision-making and, Hey, if you do this, this is going to be the outcome. Right. So um, I really try to follow the castle competencies because I feel like any of the evidence-based um, curriculum or things that come out, they are all based on the castle competencies anyway. And I write curriculum. So I'm usually following the castle competency as well as I'm writing curriculum for students. One of the things that I love that you said was um, you ask the teachers for input. You get them to fill out some surveys There's or something. Assessment. Yeah. Yeah. Because Kim and I have seen that uh, you could run yourself like all around the school chasing down some of the things that teachers are asking you to do. And mm -hmm. we always say that having them fill out paperwork or, you know, assessments put they have some skin in the game and mm -hmm. also you have a starting point on where the behaviors are and a target for where you want the behaviors to be so mm -hmm. I love that you said that yeah thank you so um talk to us about the school counselor coach tell us a little bit about that so the school counselor coach this is a business I started I want to say 2021 um, and I was still school counseling at the time, but I felt like there was a need for us school counselors to get more professional development or more coaching specifically. Um, me, in my own experience, we had um, like one day a month where we would meet up as like a district and we would get our you know training, but it was usually over the same topics. It was usually over, we were the 504 coordinators at my district, so they wanted to make sure we did that right. And then of course the suicide protocol, but then it was kind of like, you know, rinse, repeat. And I remember after a certain point, uh, like I'm a person who always reads, who always researches. And I was like, I, you know, I want to do things the best way that I can or use the, the best practices. And so at a certain point, I felt like I want to share the information or the knowledge that I have with other people. And so I really looked into uh, coaching and consulting so that I could make sure that I'm able to give access to other people on just things that we may not talk about a lot, like behaviors is something that we don't talk about, or even leading systems within our school, how to drive mental health practices. It's just something that I feel like we go through and we learn as we're practicing as school counselors. But again, there's just not a lot of information um, out there on how to do it and how to be successful at it. Love that. Um, and I know we're keeping you over. I just, how do you go in and train? What What is your relationship like with the staff? How do you impart knowledge to to those teachers who are with those students uh, and building mm -hmm. those relationships? So talk to us a little bit about relationships with teachers and maybe some trainings 
that are important for them. Mm -hmm. So like I said, with it still being fresh at a new school, what, about five months into a new oh, school, yeah. it's still yeah. kind of that fresh meat experience where it's just like, you know, I'm trying to come in chill and trying to learn like what all of their policies Perfect. and strategies are. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I will say at my former district, which I was at for about five years, yes. um, it was really important for me to really collaborate with the teachers and, you know, but still keeping that line of confidentiality. So for the most part, the only thing that I would communicate with the teacher about like my sessions with students would be the goal that I'm working with uh, on the student. So if we're working on um, uh, impulse control by raising our hand or something like that, I would let the teacher know so that they were aware. Cause I'm like, let me know if you see changes with that. Let yeah. me see if you see yeah. some successes, but then also let me see if you see some challenges with that, because I want to make sure that I address that as I'm having, you know, sessions with the student. But also for PD, we would, um, and I say we, because at a certain point we did, we created a school mental health team. It was a need. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was a need. So um, my team and I, we would do two days of PD every month, whether it was on trauma sensitive uh, practices or restorative practices. We really wanted to start teaching more about what is trauma, how it affects our students, but then also giving PD to the staff about what we do as staff members, because between myself, the social worker and our behavior interventionist, they couldn't tell us how the three of us were different. So, you know, how do you utilize somebody that you don't know what they do? So perfect. Yeah, we had to let them know, OK, this is what we do and this is how we're going to work with your students. This is how you can utilize us. So we did a lot of consultation with our staff members too. But as far as my my current school building, I'll say that right now, the most important thing for me is um, us really learning the de-escalation cycle. I feel like we can get out of this cycle of always responding to fires, always responding to fires, if we're able to really recognize the triggers of our students earlier on. Because right now we have a lot of teachers that are calling for a response to students and they're already at the peak of you yeah. know dysregulation. They're throwing chairs or they're yelling or something like that. And I'm like, we could have caught that a little bit earlier. So that's kind of my focus this year. And like I said, building those relationships, having them understand as a first year school counselor or them understanding that in a first year position for a school counselor, what does the school counselor do? Brilliant. And and that's so everything that you're saying is so, so spot on. We call it an eagle leader. So you're yeah. coming in, getting the groundwork, finding out what this school is like. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like they're very fortunate to have you. And that collaboration mm -hmm. piece is so important, especially now. Absolutely. Ever. So thank you so much. Is there anything else that we didn't ask you? Or is there something that you want us to know? Um, I just want to make sure that people uh, are tuned in and they are registered for your conference that's coming up. <laughs> thank you. That is so put right back on us. That is so sweet. <laughs> If they're interested in any more uh, information about what I've said or any trainings that I do, they can visit me on Instagram at the school counselor coach, or they can email me at youngmindcreationsllc at gmail.com. She was amazing. She, I love counselors, Laura. I love school counselors. I love school counselors, especially those who go above and beyond and are passionate about what they do. Yeah. I mean, she's in there digging and get, getting more information and she wants to share it. 
I and love. I, just, I couldn't stop thinking about her. She referenced her new school. Like they must think they have hit the jackpot with her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I love her to be at a new school. Um, yeah. uh, and she sounds like she's doing it right. So yes. uh, I'm excited. And uh, she did tell everybody, "Hey, check out this behavior conference." And how sweet was that? Um, Yes, and we are so excited about our Behavior Detour Conference, and people may be sick of hearing about it, but you've still got a few more weeks to hear about it, and I oh, and apologize so for it. About it. I'm so passionate about it because I feel like it's for all educators. Yeah. It's for all educators, but just listening to some of our speakers and like, and if there's things that, one thing that I can walk away with to change my program. It's worth it, especially at this price. Yeah. I mean, this is nothing. And so these speakers have such amazing rubber meets the roads. If you need to know how to write a behavior plan, we got you. If you need to understand how the brain works, we got you. If you need research that you can share, if you need to know how to share with your, with your, uh, administration or your your teachers or do something uh, there is so there are lessons for students that, that you can take away um so it's just it's just so exciting it's everything it well is. I think you hit the nail on the head because we it's not the conference we're passionate about we're passionate about the career of education and you know I tell people all the time when they say oh I want to be a teacher but everybody's discouraging me I'm like no go into it it's the best field in the world. It's the best job in the world. And we both believe that, but we see counselors and we see educators walking away in huge numbers. And it's like, I'm seeing this as a life preserver to throw out to them to say, Hey, you can hang on. Here are some tools that maybe you didn't have before. And it's just, I want to equip people with what they need to stay at this. Yes. Yes. And to deal with this crisis. This, and let this me say this, so. sort mm-hmm. of along those same lines, this is just for school counselors, but we see this need with school counselors too, because it is a lonely job and yeah. it is um, like people are walking away because it can feel very isolating. And for the first time in a couple of years, we are opening the doors again to our course that yeah. we have had. Uh, We've revamped it a little bit because since we launched it, we have ramped. And so we're going to be sharing a lot of the tips and tricks that we followed in order to ramp. We're going to be following our book, Growing Your School, uh, Growing Your Program for School Counselors. And so that's what we're calling the course this time, Growing Your Program for School Counselors. I'm going to post a link to the wait list because in order to keep it close. You know, we want this group to be close. It's not a freestanding course. It's something we're going to be going through together, which means you get meetings with us, uh, live meetings with us where you can ask your burning questions and have conversations with us. Um, But in order to keep it feeling like a close knit group of people that I think we all need, we are limiting the number of people that can enroll. So once, you know, doors will be closed. Oh gosh, you sounded like the ark. <laughs> no true. That is true. Doors will be and, closed. Jump on. Yeah. Um, but first priority is gonna go to people that attend our behavior detour conference. And then anybody who has signed our signed up for our wait list, 
um, whether they saw it online or hear about it through this podcast, then we'll come to you and let you know if there are places available or if you need to catch the next arc. So um, anyway, I, I just feel very passionately, feel very strongly about that as well. That absolutely jump in and join us and become our BFF. And as always, you know that we have just written a book, Growing Your Program for School Counselors, that I just talked about. We have a children's book called Hygiene that talks about the very touchy subject of hygiene. Um, and about hygiene. Hygiene. And we're loving that and getting some great feedback on that. And you can follow us on Instagram. You can watch these on YouTube. You can like us on Facebook. Anything else? I want to apologize to you for not having my microphone. And I know that you were very ugly to me about it earlier, but I do have trouble keeping up with my things. Well, Um, I am going to edit that and put it at the beginning so that people will know that it was on you, that the sound was bad this whole time. I don't want them to think badly of you for you always reprimanding me. Well, I just feel like if you could have a spot set up, or podcast. Don't start with me again. <laughs> <laughs>